So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, started a sermon by request that said, I've always wanted to hear a sermon about different modern issues, tattoos, political discord, etc. So we, we, we covered the tattoos uh, a couple weeks ago, and I said, yep, I'm going to get back to political discord, and then I left uh, for a week. But I didn't tell you how long it'd be before we got back to it, so here we are, we're getting there today. Uh, you know, the, the tattoo part is really actually pretty easy uh, and simple in and of itself. The Old Testament does, in fact, prohibit uh, t- tattoos or at least something very similar to them. Uh, but as Christians, we are not under that Old Testament law. Uh, the New Testament uh, makes it very clear that we have been freed from the law. And uh, that's why we can go ahead and eat, you know, bacon-wrapped shrimp or, or uh, uh, you know, trim our beards or get a tattoo or shovel snow on Saturday. All of those things were prohibited to the Israelites. Well, not shoveling show, snow exactly, but any, any manual labor on Saturday uh, was, was out. And uh, th- we are not under those laws. Um, that's not the case for us and so that means that this issue of tattoos falls into the realm of personal preference and obviously we need to keep in mind there are still some sin issues Uh, it it may even be a sin issue correct uh, connected to a tattoo if you're underage and your parent says no and you get one anyways I mean there's still sin uh, issues that can be involved in that or or many other areas we're not talking about sin here You can't justify a sin by calling it a personal preference. Uh, Personal preferences are those things not uh, specified as either right or wrong in the Bible. And and unfortunately, uh, down through the ages, uh, Christians have had a rather tough time dealing with this issue of personal preferences. I mean, not their own. Everybody likes their own personal preferences. It's, it's when someone else's personal preference goes in, in opposition or conflict to yours. That's when the, the problems can start. And that's why a couple of weeks ago we spent most of our time uh, looking at some verses in Romans chapter 14, which don't actually talk about uh, tattoos, but do talk about how we are to react and respond and interact with one another when these personal preference differences uh, come up because the truth is we, ne- we need to understand that they come up a lot right it, it's not just this one little narrow uh, topic uh, of tattoos uh, there's many many areas where this can happen and 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 as believers uh, down again through the ages people have fallen on either side of many of those different issues uh, uh, and there the truth is there are quite a few things that the Bible does not specifically prohibit, but many well-meaning Christians have kind of questioned, right? Is this something that is legitimate for a Christian to be able to do? And beyond that, even if it's legitimate, is it something we should do? I mean, those are two different questions, aren't they? And, uh, And some, of course, would say, yes, it's fine, you're free in Christ, you can do these things. Others would say, oh, man, absolutely not. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole, which brings us to our topic today, politics. Okay, not 
the crest wasn't exactly about politics, right? It was political discord. And here's how I'm going to take that question. I, I'm going to say what he means is how should we as Christians handle the political discord in this country, a discord that is rampant and, and getting worse? And I believe there are several verses of Scripture that would deal with that topic. But to, to get us started this morning, we're going to turn to Titus chapter 3. If you haven't already done that, I uh, encourage you to grab your Bible and open up so you can see what it says there in the Scripture. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read, follow along as I do that. <clears throat> and it starts with them, remind them, them is us, okay? Believers, followers of Christ. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Father God, we thank you for just a wonderful opportunity to be able to worship together this morning. God, we thank you that you are here with us. We pray right now that that you would be free to work in each heart and each mind to do the good work that you desire this morning, to encourage, to strengthen, to build up, to challenge. Whatever it is you want to do, God, we pray for that right now and ask for that. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so as, as we get started on, on this, there's, there's probably one thing that I should state right up uh, from the front. Political discord is not a modern issue, okay? Uh, it's not a modern issue in the United States. I mean, it can be seen in the name-calling and mudslinging and downright uh, lying that takes place during like every presidential election cycle, right? And it didn't start uh, recently. It didn't start with the snippy or even downright vulgar barbs that Hillary and Trump uh, flung at each other during the last election cycle. This has been going on for years. In 1860, during a debate between the Republican Abraham Lincoln and his Democratic challenger, he was asked by the moderator, Abe Lincoln was asked by the moderator of the debate to comment on the strength of his uh, opponent's argument. And Lincoln said, his argument is as thin as the homeopathic soup that was made by boiling the shadow of a pigeon who had been starved to death. <laughs> so apparently he didn't think much of the guy's argument. In the next election cycle, the Democratic candidate running against Lincoln called Lincoln a well-meaning baboon. But then he went further by doing some race baiting and called Lincoln a black Republican for the stance that he was taking on ending slavery and his desire to bring equality to, to every black American. Political discord. And it goes back even further than that, of course. The very first American election, not uh, including George Washington. I, I don't know, George Washington, just a little bit of trivia here for you. You know, he's the only president that was elected with 100% of the Electoral College. After George, 
things got more divisive. The very next uh, uh, election after that was between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson called Adams, quote, a blind, bald, crippled, toothless man who is a hideous hermaphrodite character with neither the force and fitness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. How would that, uh, how would that uh, work on Facebook, right? Um, Adam's side shot back by saying that if Jefferson were elected, he would create a nation where murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest were openly taught and practiced. Wow. I mean, that's pretty ugly stuff, isn't it? And, and, and as you probably know, both Adams first, first Adams and then Jefferson, were elected to be president. And Adam turned out to be a pretty fit president, and Thomas Jefferson did not lead a country that allowed murder, rape, and all that stuff uh, to be openly taught. And we know that political discord didn't start in America. <laughs> as long as there have been two sides or more, there's been discord. There was discord clear back in King David's court. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, you can read an account where David's own son, Absalom, stole the hearts of the Israelite people away from his father through lies and deceit in order to run a coup attempt against his father's throne. So political discord, that's nothing new. However, I'm, I'm guessing that this person who who wrote this request was referring not so much to, you know, the mudslinging and, and the intrigue that happens between political candidates or, or groups, but rather as to the political divisiveness that has filtered down into the average American's life now and, and negatively impacting our everyday life. I mean, think about it. Can you remember a time in the past when a company would say, hey, if you voted for a certain candidate, we don't want your business. Can, can you ever remember that happening? I mean, when I was younger, a, a store wanted everybody's business, whether you were a Democrat or a Republican or voted for a little green man from Mars. They didn't care. Give us your money. Right? But now, we have businesses putting out signs and posters saying, we don't want your business if you voted for a certain person. People are being attacked, not, not just verbally, physically attacked in public places just for wearing clothing that supports a certain candidate. Actual dialogue between opposing viewpoints doesn't seem like that's any longer allowed. Instead, you have one side trying to shout down and disrupt the others when they're trying to speak or, or give their ideas. DJ had a relative who posted on her Facebook account that if you voted for a particular candidate in the last election, she didn't want to be your friend anymore. It seems that people with opposing views can't even be civil towards anyone anymore. And, and I believe that's the question that is being posed in this request. How should we as followers of Jesus Christ, react to and, and respond to this, this venomous political discord that's erupting in our country. Because you know what? I don't, I don't think it's going to get better. 
I don't have a great deal of confidence that the inhabitants of this country are going to start treating each other with, with greater respect and civility just because somebody put up a billboard saying that we should or started an ad campaign saying that's the way it should be. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And so what should we do? I know there are some Christians who have really kind of taken the san- stance of just wanting to wash their hands of the whole thing, right? They, they, they kind of take a, I don't want anything to do with politics uh, kind of stand. Uh, they don't want to get involved in supporting any particular candidate, or they don't even want to support or work against any important issues or, or topics of the day. Uh, they'll shut off the news whenever they're talking about politics. If a group of people are hanging around and the subject comes up, they'll just walk away. I don't want to have anything to do with that to the point where some say they don't even just want to vote anymore. Their basic ideas is whatever happens, happens, and I'm just going to live my life. And you know what? I get that, right? I mean, I get why, why people would feel that way. Uh, the reality is because of, of the brokenness of this world, the corruptness of man, politics can be a very dirty and disgusting thing. But I truly believe God would have us do something more than just wash our hands of it. I mean, he calls us to be good citizens of whatever country it is that we live in. And we do that because it's one of the ways we actually witness. It's one of the ways we actually represent God to the people around us. I mean, listen to how the Apostle Peter put it in 1 Peter 2.13. He said, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Every human institution. Not just the good ones. Not just the righteous ones. Not just the ones who are acknowledging are following God. I mean, this instruction was written when they were under Rome's rule and, and Rome was anything but, but kind uh, to Christians at this point in their history, and it was going to get a lot worse for the people that Peter was writing to. And, and why does he say that we should submit ourselves? Peter says, for the Lord's sake. In other words, how we live and how we respond as a citizen in our country reflects on the God that we love and follow. And if we want people to think well of the God that we serve, then we need to, uh, they need to see us being good, law-abiding citizens. In a democratic society such as we live in, I believe that means being involved in uh, electing the people who lead us and in shaping the laws that will govern us. Right? A, a Christian in North Korea I mean, they don't have that privilege, but I can just guarantee you that they give their right arm if they did have the opportunity to have a say in, in who would uh, be leading them or, or uh, in developing moral and just laws for the land. And, and we do have that opportunity, and we shouldn't take it lightly uh, or forsake it just because it can be a messy thing. However, being involved... And being a good citizen, that doesn't exactly tell us how we should deal or handle with the political discord that's around us. So let's, let's turn our attention directly towards that. And I believe there are some scriptures that would speak 
very explicitly, very directly uh, on, on that topic. And, you know, probably several more that would give us some uh, uh, implications on, on what we would do. But let's look at the explicit instructions. Romans 13, 1 and 2 tells us this. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they have, who ha have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Okay, again, this was written under Rome's rule. And he's saying, hey, no authority exists, but those established, set up by God. And, and, and there's basically two main thoughts in these verses, right? One, we should obey or be subject to the laws of the land. Why? Because two, God is the one who set up or established the role and the function of government. He's the one who, who, who established this. And, and I know, I know there are exceptions uh, and that the government can act outside of the role that God established for it. And, and there can be times when the Christians must disobey or resist. But, but those things are actually very rare. Again, this instruction is given under Roman rule and law. And one of, one of Rome's laws was that you were supposed to uh, acknowledge the emperor, uh, the Caesar, whoever it was at the moment, uh, as being divine, a god among the many gods, right? And Christians rightly would refuse to do that. As Peter had explained much earlier in his life when uh, the governing authorities of Israel had arrested them uh, because they were opposed to the preaching of the gospel, Peter said, hey, we must obey God rather than men. And, and there is a time when that is true for, well, I mean, it's always true for every person, and then there's a time when we'd have to put that into practice, but really it's quite rare where Christians were put on the spot to declare the, the divinity of the emperor and for the most part, they were able to go about living their lives under Rome's rule, being good citizens. And that's what Peter was calling them to do. See, unless the government is forcing you to do something against Scripture, we're called to obey the law of the land. So now, in terms of political discord, that means a believer should not participate in or take part in any acts of violence or vandalism when an election or legislation or a court ruling does not go their way, right? In the past, especially in the recent times, we've seen groups smash windows and vandalize buildings and burn up things and, 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 and turn over cars and, and, and commit all kinds of other acts of senseless violence, and they call it protesting because they didn't uh, agree with whatever it was that happened. And other groups have, have come and made angry and threatening confrontations and shouted down speakers so that they could not deliver their speech. All of those things are, are, are practices and tactics which Christians should absolutely avoid. We need to obey the laws of our land even when the candidate we don't like gets elected. And, and maybe you say, well, duh, that's pretty obvious, right? And, and I'll agree, it, it is. So let me take it a step further. There's another explicit teaching of Scripture when it comes to political leaders and political discord. We need to look at 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor 
the king. The, the word for king there is, is literally emperor or Caesar. We're to show honor to those who are in political authority. Now at the time of this writing, the political authority that was in charge was most likely a guy named Nero. Nero was anything but an honorable man. He threw all kinds of drunken orgies. He killed and did horrible things to Christian. Neither in character or in deeds did this man earn or deserve honor. And yet Peter says that Christians should show honor anyways. And I believe much of the political discord in this country comes because citizens in general do not honor political leaders, authority, or other people. Notice that verse started with honor all people. Christians are supposed to be a living example of showing that honor. And yet, unfortunately, that's not always the case, is it? So at the risk of stepping on toes, I'll just warn you in advance. It's toe-stepping time. Uh, at the risk of that, I, I'm going to get kind of specific here. I have read, seen, and heard, especially on Facebook and other social media, some horrible and very dishonoring statements made about President Trump by Christians. I have heard, read some horrible, very dishonoring statements that were made about our former president, Barack Obama, during his administration by Christians. And you can go back to the president before him and the one before him and the one before him and so forth and so on. You know what, my friends? That ought not to be. God could not have been more direct, more plain, more clear in his spoken word. Honor the king. And the implication, of course, is it applies to all levels of authority and government. In fact, right, the context of the verse says to honor all people. So we know it, it applies that way. It applies to governors, applies to mayors, applies to city council, school board members, and whatever. It applies to the person who holds a different political view than you. And maybe you ask, well, how do you honor someone that you totally disagree with or whose personal behavior may be abhorrent? And that's really a good question, isn't it? I mean, it would have been nice to be able to talk to Peter and say, okay, Peter, exactly what do you mean when you're telling us to honor Nero here? Because that seems pretty tough. Again, I think Scripture helps give us some guidance. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. See that? We, we, we honor leaders, first of all, by diligently praying for them. And, and notice the, the purpose 
clause that is stated there. The purpose of why we pray for him is so that you may lead a tranquil life and quiet life. That means you're not praying for them to be assassinated, right? Because that would not lead to tranquility, right? Civil unrest, civil war, other problems maybe, but not tranquility. We should be praying for God to work in their life. That God would give them wisdom, lead and guide them in their decisions. And you say, well, yeah, but how do you pray that if they're not Christians? Well, you still pray for God to do that. God can and often has used non-Christians in government positions to bring about His plans and purposes. Read the Old Testament. You see that happen over and over and over again. But it does bring up another point. Pray for their conversion. Did you know that God wants to save even the political leader you hate? God wants to save them. So pray for their salvation. Pray for God to bring godly men and women into their life, people who can influence them for good. See, when you're truly praying for a person from the heart, it's a lot harder to dishonor them. You may grind your teeth and, and, and uh, get pretty perturbed at some words or actions they say, but that should drive you to pray for them even more. I think there's some other implicit instructions in honoring. To honor means you won't trash talk, name call, or mock a person. You, can, you can't honor a person while you're mocking them with disparaging remarks. It means that you would not accept lies or even half-truths or unsubstantiated claims against another person and that you definitely wouldn't be passing them along It means that you would not wish ill upon that person. See, if, if we would do just this one very clear instruction from Scripture to honor, honor them all, I mean, that would set a positive example for how to eliminate venomous political discord, wouldn't it? And, and the truth is, we can't control other people. We can't make other people stop, but we can choose to do what we're going to do for ourselves. And, and in doing well, in choosing to follow these instructions, we might just end up influencing some people around us. Perhaps we could then actually get to the point where we could discuss different political views in a positive, civilized way. And wouldn't that be nice? So let's end by going back to the verses that we started with in Titus. And I'm just going to read it slowly. It's all I'm going to do. But I'm going to ask you to say, is this what I have been doing towards politicians, towards people who have a different view than me? He says, remind them, remind us, remind believers, remind followers of Christ be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign 
no one to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Let's pray. Father God, it's so easy for us to skip over some of those small important words like all men. It is easy for us to fall into the practice of maligning others with whom we do not agree or others who don't deserve or haven't earned honor. And yet that's what you've called us to do. While this goes against the grain of our culture right now. But God, that's what you've called for us to do as believers. We're constantly going against the grain. So may we do that in such a way that you would be glorified and honored, that there would be opportunity for people to know why it is that we're different and won't fall into these same habits and traps that the world does. We pray that you would help us to be careful about how we speak. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.